Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. Well, it must be nice to have a job where you only have to work one day a week. (laughs) If you're a preacher, you have probably heard that. At one point, if you haven't, you will. You've not been in it long enough. You've heard it. Maybe you've grimaced over it when you heard somebody say it, make the statement. You don't really know if they're joking. If they're not, maybe you're even. Maybe even your wife has said it. I hope not. But over the course of ministry, you do not want to be accused of being lazy. I, I make it a personal priority to always go to the office and always be available. Um, as best as I can. I've been in three works, one while I was in school, uh, preaching school up in Memphis at Collierville, and the two full-time works, neither of which have required office hours of me. I have purposefully set those up for myself so that I would get up, wash my face, go into work, and, and do work. Otherwise, otherwise, I'm setting myself up for failure. But, but if you're not careful, you hear that, and and you may go to the opposite end of the extreme, where you will you will work really long hours. You'll put in extra effort. You'll be in continual motion, really. And while some people shirk when it comes to work, um, many in many in preaching ministry live at a pace between somewhere between uh, busy and breathless. That's kind of the reality. But just because you're busy as a preacher. Um, or some of you uh, serve as a pastor, a shepherd of souls, um, or maybe you're at a congregation where there are not elders, and as much as we preach against it, the preacher becomes the, quote, pastor that we preach against. If you're in that role, you know what we're talking about. But just because you're busy does, doesn't mean that that you're not a lazy preacher or a shepherd. Uh, Eugene Peterson, in his article called the, quote, unbusy pastor, he contends that preachers can become uh, lazy or busy, quote, shepherds or pastors can become lazy preachers. Uh, like the lizard that's, that slip into king's palaces, Proverbs 30 and verse 28, laziness can slip into our lives as preachers, especially when we get extremely busy when it comes to the ministry. And Peterson, he he links busyness to laziness in in a really surprising way. And this is the quote from his book, and and his term for pastor is not the, quote, biblical term for pastor, but some of us are having to serve as pastors even though there are not pastors. So just keep this in mind. Separate the meat from the bones, if you will. He says, the reason I become busy is that I am lazy. I am indolently let other people decide what I will do instead of resolutely deciding myself. I let people who do not understand the work of the pastor write the agenda for my day's work because I am too slipshod to write it myself. But these people don't know what a pastor is supposed to do. The pastor is a shadow figure in their minds, a marginal person vaguely connected with matters of God and goodwill. Anything remotely religious or somehow well-intentioned can be properly assigned to the pastor. And again, that's the quote from Eugene Peterson's book, The Unbusy Pastor. 
And he goes on to say that this kind of lazy busyness or busy laziness keeps a keeps a preacher um, from being a faithful preacher, or maybe as a deacon or as an elder, being busy may keep may you may be you may be busy for the sake of being lazy. Um, busy busy preachers can become lazy preachers. And, and here, if we reflect on this and how this can creep into our lives as preachers, as ministers, and elders and deacons. Maybe we, we, I have, maybe you have come to see that laziness maybe is a more of a heart level test than really a time management problem. Maybe you're staying so busy because you dread the things that you have to do. Uh, I want to give us in this podcast, this, this lesson, five, um, five warning signs that I or you or others are becoming a lazy preacher servant in the kingdom of God. Specifically for the preacher, I want to talk to you just this hour because we can get so busy that we don't take time for what we should be doing, biblically speaking, as our job. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, we are designed to equip the saints, preacher, for the work of the ministry. So number one, scattering sermon prep time. The work of sermon preparation demands the best of our mental and spiritual energies. You know that, I know that. If we, want to, if we want to have compelling sermons, it demands very clear and precise thinking. And Paul made it very clear to Timothy, and really to every preacher, the, the T epistles are our epistles, really, that handling Scripture accurately would take our very best effort. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. Now, the word translated do your best, spudazzo, has the idea of energy, of effort, of diligence. Now, the King James would say, study to show yourself approved. That may not be the best translation of the text, but it is a fair application. Our Really, our best effort at studying the Scripture really does not happen on the fly, in the cracks, or when we are spent. You know that. It does not go on like that. Don't try to study at tiresome times. We sabotage ourselves when we, we fall back or we fail to block out a time uh, to study or writing or when we are at our best. Don't You may be sharp when you first get up. Well, do your preparation then. Don't wait to the end of the day. The most effective uh, remedy is to schedule sermon preparation time first because that is your job first and foremost. If your sermons are junk, the brethren will not put up with you, nor should they. Block off a study time that coincides with your peak level of alertness. Now, for me, that, that means morning hours. When I get up, I'm there. But also, it's the case, there's sometimes where I'm, where I'm an evening person. Uh, I'm really kind of flexible when it comes to that. Uh, coffee does it for me, and so I can be alert whenever I need to be. But but this may mean morning hours for you, or it may mean evening hours. When I was in the School of Preaching in Memphis, B.J. Clark, his hours of operation for his mind were in the wee hours of the morning. So he would go to bed early or he would stay up late to get his work in. He may not go to bed to 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, but he, and, he, and his reason was everybody's asleep. That's when I'm most awake. Nobody bothers me. That's my time. So that may be your time. But you need to find your time and you need to put a pen right there and block it off. This is my time. This is my vocation. This is my command of scripture that I that I preach and preach well. That I don't get up and do something half-heartedly. I give energy and effort 
and I don't scatter my sermon time. You've got to establish this. Um, and when we do that, that frees us up from exhausting um, the dilemma of customizing or changing or the the irony of preaching is that it comes every week and and that's not going to change. But what this does when you do that, when you purposefully say, okay, this is my time and this is nobody else's time. This is just for me and the Lord and I'm not going to scatter this time. What this does is this communicates to your leadership, uh, to the congregation that you are preparing that you're taking very serious the proclamation of God's word, and it is of the utmost priority to you, and it is, and it should be to them. And you're not going to scatter your time around when it comes to sermon pre- preparation. Number two, squandering sermon prep time. It's one thing to make time for sermon preparation, and it's another thing to make the most of the time. Laziness shows up when we give away to distractions. In the time that is set aside for sermon preparation, you may check emails, Facebook, send texts, social media, answer the phone, yada, yada, yada. And what we do is we opt for an easier task that does not demand the same level of focused concentration as, as, as sermon preparation. We go easy on ourselves. We'll pander our situation. Uh, we will be undisciplined, and we'll just we'll just willy nilly chill out. Now, the solution here is not difficult when it comes to this. It's it's not it's not difficult to identify either. But it's but it is easier said than done. We have to exercise self control. Paul knew that this was something that we had to develop. Urge the younger men to be self controlled. Titus two and verse six. That includes us, younger men, or you, younger preachers. To exercise self-control. We're not talking about just something of physical nature or sexual nature, but overall, self-control is a discipline that we do not practice uh, in our society. And if you're listening to this and you're a middle-aged man or you're an older man, you you need it too. Self-control keeps us from distracting ourselves when we are studying. We need to find a place where we will not be interrupted. We need to put up a sign or somehow a smoke signal or whatever to say, listen, I'm unavailable, and you've got to fight the urge to to interrupt yourself uh, by checking emails or text or blogs or news or whatever. Self-discipline does not come naturally to the most of us. It, it, it just doesn't. And thankfully, it can come through uh, the fruit, one of the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 23. Uh, the Holy Spirit produces that in you as you delve into the Word. As you continue to study God's Word, it's something that is produced by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. So number one, don't don't scatter your time. But number two, don't squander your time. Number three, starting sermon preparation too late. Uh, you can be lazy in this. Sermons can be written and written well at the last minute. I, I This is the truth. I have written a sermon and studied a sermon all week long. But I had something burning in the back of my mind, and it was just like pricking my conscience. And I have changed my sermon, if you will, walking up to the pulpit. And sometimes I've told the brethren, brethren, I've studied something all week long, but this is this is just, um, I want to go in another direction today. And this is where I want to go. And I, I'll preach something totally different. And I, and I wasn't at all trying to, to, to cheap the brethren out of, of, of paying me that week of preaching a sermon, you know, but but sometimes that's that's the case. But but for the most part, there 
as you know and as I know, there will be weeks when due to crisis or illness or travel or as a preacher, you you have to produce a Saturday night special. Uh, but still, most Saturday night specials aren't aren't all that special. Kenton Anderson uh, says in his his article uh, preachingtoday.com called "Slow Cooking Sermons." Slow, slow. <coughs> excuse me. He says that good sermons need to be slow cooked, not microwaved. Of course, as any decent chef will tell you, some things taste better when cooked slowly. Time can be useful, can be a useful ingredient in deepening a rich and full-bodied taste. You don't always want to rush things in the kitchen. You don't always want to rush things in the pulpit, and that is so true. Thank you, Kitten Anderson, for, for pointing that out. We knew that, though. <laughs> Slow cooking your sermons requires an early starting time where you've got to block off a significant time early in the week. And, and, and maybe you're the, the, the type to plan or to have things laid out. Uh, I do have a secretary here at Piedmont Road, and, and we like to have things scheduled out, and, and I, I want to have my work done when it needs to be done, and I don't like for her to have to wait around on me and, and vice versa. But, but what you may want to do is block off a significant time early on, maybe, maybe having a rough draft. Of your of your manuscript completed by Wednesday, uh, and then revisit that on Thursday or Friday. Uh, revisit it several times throughout the next the next few days. You know, making tweaks, making revisions, putting notes in. However, it is that you write your sermons, you know, and you know what works best for you. But ha- have it in your mind that you want to have it done quote by Tuesday or by Wednesday. It, strive for that as best as you can. It doesn't always turn out that way. Most Mondays, I'm off. Uh, I'm spent on Sunday, especially now that we're, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night right now. And I'm spent on on Mondays most of the time. I'm exhausted. Uh, I don't have nothing. But then there's a rare case where I got a whole lot of energy. Or, uh, you know, it's a holiday and I need to take off the, the, the second half of the week. And, and so I need to get on my work in the first half of the week. But but most of the time, I'm off on a Monday, and Tuesday is my day for sermons and study and preparation. And I'm beginning that that fire, and that fire continues to burn throughout the rest of the week. Uh, but you, you need to benefit, completely benefit from starting early when it comes to a sermon and, and not later. Don't be lazy when it comes to that. Uh, set aside an hour. Uh, if you're going to preach a passage... Just some just some advice. Set aside an hour for studying that passage uh, ten days before you preach it. Uh, for example, if you're if you're going to preach Colossians three one through five, let's say February the twenty first, then you want to spend an hour of exegeting that text. You know all the side work that's involved uh, on February the eleventh. And after one hour, you shut down, you know, your your study on the passage. But your mind will quietly work. That seed has been planted. It will germinate. Some things may come up along the way in the next 10 days to that, that you weren't thinking about on February the 11th, but you, but you remembered February the 17th, something that happened, and this would fit great when it come to this sermon and make a great illustration or whatever it was. But you come back to the passage. You come back to your sermon and you're generally making progress a whole lot more quicker, a whole lot quicker, that is. 
next, this would be uh, number four, uh, skimming the surface of the passage. I, I purposefully do not preach, uh, this is just my personal opinion, I purposefully do not preach a lot of topical s- sermons. I love topical studies, but not topical sermons. I just, I find them too vague. I find it as low-hanging fruit, and, and, and preaching should, this is just pre- my personal opinion, preaching should, uh, should show the brethren what it looks like to meditate and exalt on Scripture. What you want them to do during the week is what your sermon should look like. That's just what I think, that, that I want to expose, expose it, expose what's there in the text, take it out word for word, maybe a word study, See how this fits into the passage, into the chapter, into the into the book itself, into the scheme of the Bible and redemption, and and I and I then want to make application as to why this matters in my personal life, in my married life, my life as a father, my life as a worker, my life as as a human being in the United States of America. That's just me, and so I, I purposefully do not preach a lot of topical sermons because it just proof texts a lot of stuff. And and I get proof text, I, I do, but but we we do our brethren a disservice when that's all we ever do is just give them references to take it take and disprove their religious friends that they live next to. I don't I don't want to do that. We want to produce lifelong study in people's hearts and minds, and that starts with preaching. It begins with preaching, and we want to show them how to do that. But this point number four skimming the, pa- the 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 passage and really just the surface of it laziness shows up when we don't take time and effort to understand what the text is actually saying and we preach what it says instead of saying what we want it to say now this this can happen when we come to a passage and we've got a predetermined sense of what we want to preach from this passage but as we look uh, deeper into the passage, we, we discover that there's a whole lot more going on in the text than we originally understood. And in fact, as we dig deeper into the passage, what we've come to find out is a very disquieting re- realization that this text, in fact, does not say what I thought it said. So, it may be Saturday afternoon, and you've already turned in your sermon title, it's printed in the bulletin or on the church website or Facebook page, or maybe you've made an announcement about it or, or whatever. Maybe maybe even the song leaders, the other worship leaders have, have tied in their thoughts and their song choice based off of uh, your sermon. Maybe the guy who's going to preside over the table is going to tie directly into the verse that you had laid out. So what do you do? And this is where it tests our hearts. Will we will we do the hard work that's needed uh, to understand the passage, to preach what it says, and to make those changes with the rest of the, the of your your worship team, uh, or do we just simply preach what we had planned to preach? Eugene Peterson has it right when he says that we need to resist the superficial and skewed treatment of God's word. He rejects the laziness that skims that the surface of a passage rather than you know diving down deep into the text he says i need and this is his quote i need a drenching in scripture i require an immersion in biblical studies i need reflective hours over the past, of the over the pages of scripture as well as the personal struggles with the meaning of scripture 
that takes time, far more time than it takes to prepare a sermon. End quote. If we are going to preach God's Word faithfully, we have to take the time needed to dig into the text, the context of the passage, wrestle it around, what's the author's flow of thought, pray about it, uh, reflect on it, what's the purpose of this, how will this affect the kingdom of God, what's the what's the heart behind it, uh, what's the history of, of the setting, because that matters. Uh, let this sermon simmer in our soul. If you begin a passage 10 days in advance, let it simmer, let it cook, let it slow cook, as that article that we mentioned earlier had pointed out. We have to push ourselves to start earlier, to allow us and allow ourselves adequate time to understand, you know, the, the, the biblical author's message, um, and, and we've got to pray about this and not be rushed or hurried and not just skimming the surface of the passage. Then number five, uh, serving up leftover sermons. Over the years, I've heard um, different views on whether preachers should ever reuse a sermon. Should they go back down that road? Should they preach something that they've already preached? Uh, you know, some advocate uh, starting scratch every single time, never reheating a leftover, uh, never serve up uh, something that you've had bef- before. Uh, some think that old sermons are are like manna; they get moldy, they get <laughs> they they just they're they're not any count. Uh, and that preaching a leftover sermon is a sign of a lazy preacher. Now, it is true uh, that lazy preachers reheat sermons. The, that repeating a sermon or getting a sermon from a, a brother uh, or something and not doing any of the legwork, not changing it at all, taking it straight from the horse's mouth, that's the sign of a lazy preacher. But sometimes old sermons are like good lasagnas. I mean, they really are. They're, they're actually set up better the second time um, that they're served. Besides, when, when preaching in a different venue, an old sermon is an, is new to a different audience. Keep that in mind. Uh, but since it's easy for experienced preachers to, you know, over-rely on past sermons or to, I've heard a preacher say, just, quote, preach from the overflow, I get that, but we need to shy away from that and don't make that a habit because laziness will creep in if that's our habit. Uh, you may find it best to go over your sermon like every line of uh, your sermon manuscript, that you're sharpening the flow. You know, maybe, um, maybe somebody took a a uh, you know dictation of your sermon, and, and and you've got it there before you word for word. Um, I, I'm not so much that. I don't so much preach from a manuscript. I'm more of points and highlights and key themes that I keep in my head. But you're different. You may do you may do a, a manuscript. Some of you are more tied to your notes than others. And we're all different. That's the way God's wired us. But you know, some of you have a general outline that that you stay close to that you don't you don't change at all. That you, um, if we're talking about reheating a sermon, it would be good if we changed illustrations. That if we we move things around and give application, you know, a fresh feel in the sermon. And while there are times that we can heat up a sermon or reserve a message, you know, we should never stop preparing fresh ones from scratch. I was told of a preacher who, uh, after about three years, um, he began to look for new work, that he kept a, 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 
a desk file by, by, his, by his desk. And inside of it, he had two and a half years worth of sermons. And when he got to two and a half years, uh, when he finished that, that two and a half years of preaching, he started sending out resumes to other places. And then until he got another work, he went back and started preaching his old sermons again. That's awful. That's garbage. That's lazy. That is not God's man. That is not God's expositor. Uh, I pray he repented. Uh, and I pray that he's been removed from preaching God's word because he certainly has not done that. Uh, he, he does not have a care for souls. But besides that, um, there may be times where we can reheat sermons like that. Uh, but we should never stop preparing fresh sermons. Um Maybe maybe you speak a lot of places. Maybe you speak to a lot of different people, uh, and it's just easier. Maybe you're maybe you're a preacher who is who is on the circuit, and you're asked to preach at you know a bunch of gospel meetings a year. And I know preachers who have gospel meeting sermons, and I get that. But we've got to commit to not repeatedly reuse some some of our most favorite stuff. Um, I love preaching my favorite stuff, but but I can't do that all the time. Fresh sermons keep the preacher fresh. So while you, uh, most preachers, I, you, most preachers would admit to being really, really busy at times. Few would suspect that they could be busy and lazy at the same time. But if we fail to stay self-aware, if we fail to be self-disciplined, if we allow other people who do not know our jobs run our schedule, or we allow ourselves to squander good God-given study time, we can become the lazy preacher even when we are so busy. Let's not do that. 